In this episode, I talked to Joe Francis, owner of Central McGowan, who are a gas and welding supply company based in Minnesota, but have seven locations across the Midwest. Joe is a young entrepreneur who has done an incredible job of growing Central McGowan. I know every time I talk with him, I learn something. Um, And in this episode, Joe talks to us about staying vulnerable, the importance of difficult conversations, and staying transparent with your employees. I hope you enjoy. I'm here with Joe Francis with Central McGowan. We're talking about the tipping point of when you went from being in this industry and it was just kind of your job to when it became your career. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story and when that happened for you? Yeah, thanks, Marie. I appreciate you guys having me again. uh, Time number two on the podcast. When I talk about the tipping point, I joke, you know, 13 years old doing landscaping projects, waiting until my 16 year old, my 16 year birthday to be able to go work in the business. At that time, I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a lifetime career path, but I knew, you know, I was going to work in the company at some point in time. Um, In all seriousness, though, ultimately, I think I've shared in a number of groups, but I had my my father pass away when I was finishing up college, uh, still working in the business a little bit part time, um, but certainly not full time. Most would think that that was probably my tipping point to say, hey, I'm I'm going to have a lifelong career in the company. Obviously, I need to assume a leadership role based on my father no longer being there. However, I don't know that that was even the moment when it was real to me. I think it took a few years of really finding my place, not only in the business, but in the industry to say, all right, I think I have a handle on how to how to run this operation. Uh, we've got a good team. So I would say it probably happened um, about five years ago. Really? Wow. That recent. Was there an employee that said something to you? Was it just like this aha moment where you're like, okay, this is my, this is my career path? Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, when I was a young, a younger person than I'm now, I I knew I'd work in the company. I knew I'd work in the business, you know, but you don't necessarily think, you know, for the next 75 years, um, honestly, probably (laughs) kids too, uh, tells you a little bit about, you know, what you're making commitments to in your life. And so having kids is certainly something where I sat down and I'm like, okay, um, uh, we're, we're in a family owned business. We've been around for, you know, 70 plus years. Uh, I have a potential fourth generation that could come in to work in the business. Okay. This, this should be something we're talking about as an organization um, and what we're going to do to make sure we're sustainable for another 75 years. Yeah. I, that's amazing. If you could go back in time, would you give yourself any type of advice? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I've gotten that question a number of times. You know, the simple answer is, of course, there's tons of things that I would have told myself to do differently. The simple answers, you know, such as, you know, obviously, uh, make sure you try to learn as much as you can in school and make sure you're doing what you can in business school to prep yourself for, you know, what's to come in life. But honestly, one of the biggest Uh, And I've thought about this a lot. Uh, One of the biggest things that I attribute uh, to the success of whether it's myself or the company is really good mentors. Um, I know that that's somewhat of a cliche uh, because people talk about that a lot. And it's not just saying you have a mentor or checking in once in a while with people who you view as mentors. It's really asking them hard questions. I didn't utilize that. Uh, like I probably could have or should have. I had great mentors, 
but I always felt guarded in what I shared with them because I was nervous maybe about how they viewed me or how I was doing as an operator of a company where if I could go back now, I'd tell them all the, all the dirty laundry, <laughs> give them all the problems, uh, have them give me some real honest advice. I think being open to getting advice from others you know, who are smarter than you in some regard is certainly something you should go out and find, um, not just let it come to you. I love that. I need that advice because I'm at that crossroad right now where like, I'll reach out to some people, even you, I respect you and what you do so much. And I'll like send you an email or so like, you know, every few months or be like, Hey, what's some struggles you have right now? And just love like hearing your ideas. I find that I'm very timid to really like call people and be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Have you gone through this? And what advice do you have? That's great. How do you seek out a mentor? It's really hard to be vulnerable in any situation, at least for me, it was, you know, and I think for a lot of people, you want to always, you know, sometimes put a facade on that you're living the perfect life and business is great. In reality, you know, it's like the duck on water, right? There's things happening that people (laughs) aren't looking at. And quite honestly, you'd be surprised that most people are willing to give great advice. Um, How to find them. That's a tough one doesn't have to necessarily be somebody in the industry doesn't necessarily have to be your typical business advisors that you have quite honestly people that you look up to or or people that are running successful businesses if that's the type of discussion you want to have or people that you just see that are living a great life reach out ask them for a cup of coffee i've I've reverted more to asking for happy hours lately than lunches they seem to be more productive (laughs) and you know you just talk business personally, ask them questions you don't necessarily feel comfortable asking because it's surprising how many people are willing to open up. I know I, for one, I'm always uh, willing to open up. Well, that's good to know. I'll put my ego aside and uh, start calling you. It is interesting though, because I actually, my flight back yesterday was sitting next to this lady who the moment I sat down was just like grilling me with questions. I have no idea why. And so I guess she initiated the conversation, but she was asking me all these business questions and what I do and if my industry is female or male or combined or all this stuff. And I finally was like, what do you do? And she goes on to explain how she built this company from having zero money to like this $80 million company, took it public. And I was just like, oh, like immediately wanted to like, you know, withdraw and be like, oh, well, everything I do is perfect and great. And then I was like, wait, this is a good opportunity to ask her questions and struggles that she's had. And then by the end of it, we exchanged contact and phone. She was like, call me if you need anything. So, it's, you know, I feel like if I weren't to start asking her the harder questions, that wouldn't have led to like a position where now she could become a mentor for me. The conversation doesn't continue when everything's perfect. The conversation deepens and the relationship builds when you're really trying to solve or just discuss or, you know, have generalities around a a difficult topic, whether that's life or your business. And so there, you know, so one group, you know, whether it's a, you know, business groups are great things too. I mean, I joined uh, YPO, which is just one of many organizations that really support kind of open dialogue and communication vulnerability. And I don't care who you are, anybody in business uh, needs that in their life. Totally. I, I love that. It's also a perfect segue for this question. What is a challenge you're dealing with right now? And how are you combating it? 
you know, I, I thought a lot about this. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this. We all as business leaders have the same challenges, people, supply chain, what's hat, what are, where we're going to find new customers. Those are the easy ones. Things I'm thinking about are, are we being strategic in the risks we're taking to set ourselves up positively for the next 75 years? That is a variety of different things. So if we go and find a company to acquire, ultimately that has an impact on the direction of our company for the rest of its existence. If we enter a new market, that's going to have an impact. We're taking a lot of those potential opportunities obviously that associated with risk, but we're taking those opportunities and we're trying to really decide what's going to take our company forward positively for the next 75 years. I'm asking a lot of questions in the industry. Obviously every, you know, if we go back to industry specific, every one of us distributors around the country has a unique twist to it. We, uh, we have engineers on staff and integrate robotic systems into our customers. Not everybody does that. Companies that I know are doing a lot with hydrocarbons, hydrogen, propylenes. We don't do that today, but many of uh, the folks around the country are. So you try to kind of glean and understand what's happening uh, in the market and around the country to try to pick where are we going to go? Opportunities are going to really be fundamental in you know building out our strategy for the next 75 years. So long answer to your question, but that's definitely what's probably something I'm struggling with. And struggle is a, a strong word. Struggling to make sure we're doing it correctly is a constant challenge because we won't know. Finding the opportunities you know, certainly has not been a challenge. Exactly. And what's kind of your compass there of deciding if it is the right opportunity to jump into and when? Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a good question too. Obviously we have, you know, internal processes that are evaluating different things. You got to evaluate the typical, what's the revenue stream look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what costs are going to be associated with doing that? Are you going to be successful and provide a good customer experience based on processes or knowledge or people in your business? You know, so those are the things we ask ourselves, but ultimately there is no perfect solution or compass. It's kind of gut, a little bit of gut, a little knowing that you want to do more for more customers and have more good people on your team. Very vague, but we know we want that and we know we want to grow. We know we want to cover more territory and geography. Uh, We know we want to uh, probably go down more product line avenues and add more products. We kind of maybe want to have other business units within the business, you know, that are supporting different things. What those are, sometimes (laughs) it's just going to kind of hit you in the face. And sometimes you're going to go searching for something. I know, George, my dad, uh, he's a big follow the gut situation type of guy. But I think that anyone or everyone kind of makes their decisions based on their gut. If you have, this is our end goal and this is what we're trying to accomplish. Your gut's what's going to lead you there, right? Because you're going to be presented with 40 opportunities and it's diving down with what your gut's telling you. So I just said gut 40 times, but that's okay. (laughs) But it's absolutely right. So gut is certainly what's gotten us to where we are today. But to your point, what's the compass? What's What do we use to evaluate risk versus reward? And ultimately, it, it starts with a little gut. 
we've built a strategic planning process around how we, you know, are organizing our business for the next 75 years, we can ask ourselves, okay, does this opportunity fit within it? If not, should it, could it have uh, enough opportunity to kind of stick with the company's purpose long-term? And then you evaluate the typical things, you know, what's the revenue stream look like? How secure is it? Can you grow it? Is Mm -hmm. it, you know, what are the, what are the risks? What are the boundaries? It's a bigger picture, but I kind of think too, now that I'm talking about it, it, you know, the culture of our business as well Mm -hmm. actually does have an impact where we've shifted probably over the last 10 years of being very much, you know, we're, we're still family owned, family focused. We have a tight set of core values that exist to guide ourselves, but we went from being very, very much uh, against taking risk about growth. And we took a 180. We haven't, we haven't lost people. You know, we've brought in people with us on this journey that says, Hey, look, this is a picture of what the company has looked like. And this is somewhat of a picture of what we believe it's going to look like for the next 75 years. But the consistent thing that will uh, remain is we're family owned, family focused. Uh, we care about our people and our customers. So it becomes kind of a shining light as well as part of that compass mentality of where do we take the next opportunity? Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I actually was, my next question for you was going to be, I mean, you, you guys have eight locations, correct? <laughs> Yes. And three of those were acquired locations, right? You know, in in theory, technically every location except for St. Cloud and Little Falls, Mm -hmm. our headquarters and our our other longest standing branch have Mm -hmm. all been somewhat related to acquisition. That's a a challenge to acquire a spot and then keep that culture that you want to have. Do you do that by exactly what you were just kind of describing where you're laying out, we're always growing and here's our future, you know, and, and we're, we can all get there together. Or what do you think that is? Yeah, that certainly is part of it. You know, and, and remember some of the locations were small, uh, some we've moved because of it, because of an acquisition, we've moved it to another location. Um, we've, we've scratch started. So we bought a CO2 company in one location and we technically scratch started selling, you know, our other products, welding supplies, gases. So that's kind of a scratch start, but kind of not, um, the CO2 business gave us kind of a foothold and a, and a starting point, And then we grew from there. Um, yeah. ultimately, yeah, it's bringing people along with the journey. I've learned that people is obviously the most important input to a successful mm-hmm. business and not just any people, uh, good people that are taken care of and cared about that helps a lot. We set the expectations and we bring people along for the journey, like I said, and and we give them a backbone of organization. So many businesses as they grow can feel very chaotic. We probably had a little bit of that for a period of our lives, um, but we put some things in place that took some of that chaos out of it and gave people everything from process of how to do the work they're supposed to do. It gave them feedback, you know, manager to manage feedback, gave open communication from leadership uh, throughout the organization. Uh, and it gave a place to put up issues, you know, and understand what the goals are for the company and individually put some data in place. So we gave a backbone of organization that ultimately took a number of roadblocks out, um, mm-hmm. allow us to focus on obviously what's important. And that's every person in this company and every customer that we support. 
Oh, I love that. Yeah. I think that paints a clear picture for people and gives them a sense of purpose and accountability. If you know what your expectations are and know where you can get feedback and where you can give feedback. That's wonderful. Is there an opportunity you think people are missing out on um, in our industry? And that doesn't have to be related to a certain segment of business. It can, can be anything. That's a good question. I think, you know, all of us probably are missing out on certain opportunities. I do believe the industry is getting, it's continuing to get uh, more robust in the conversations and some of that sharing that I mentioned before. The industry together isn't a mentor, but when you have open dialogue with other businesses because of maybe some of the different associations we're involved in, and the more people are opening up to sharing what their company is doing to be successful. I think that's great to spur opportunities for people, but the, the, you know, the real key is, is you got to take advantage of that, you know, open-minded to taking a little bit of risk and knowing that the world of business yesterday is far different than the world of business is going to be tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think you just got to be okay with that. I'm I'm like hearing that. And then I'm also realizing how you said like before, you know, Central McGowan was very traditional and very calculated in the risks. And now you've kind of 180 and you are taking more risks, but obviously still calculated. Um, what shifted that? Honestly, I think what shifted that was part of me being naive and thinking that it's easy to grow a company, <laughs> uh, you know, without a lot of organization. So we took on some risks. We probably realized, wow, we probably should put some process in place as well and hire you know, some other good people or bring some people up in the organization to be able to actually do these things. I just think we've always had kind of an appetite for growth. The inputs of, or the inputs or outputs or however you want to look at that for you know, what that's going to look like, we've been open-minded. So like I've said, you know, acquisitions or new locations or new products, all that stuff is exciting. We just want and know that if we're going to survive for, you know, another generation, we do need to continue to grow the, you know, the more we're growing, the more good people we can bring on board, uh, the more stable, I believe our organization gets from just a sheer size standpoint, you know, the more buying power you get from a product standpoint that uh, continues to get discussed around, you know, commoditization of different hard goods. So you need to obviously buy more to get the right purchasing power. Yeah. And it's interesting too, like, I think it all all comes back to culture, like what you had said previously, because Ratterman, we've grown a ton and a lot of people, a lot of our customers think of us as this like giant company and we can perform at that level, but we're really only, you know, I think we're like 65 employees or something. And we were just during our purpose meeting um, that we just had, like, we want to make sure that we perform at the level of a big company, but operate at the level of a small company where you're still agile and still open to the ideas. You're not hitting a bunch of roadblocks in order to grow or in order to bring people up in the organization. And I completely agree with you. And I think a lot of that is also revolving around technology, the speed at which our customers are also growing or changing or implementing technology because of labor challenges is tremendous. And if we can't keep up with that, and if we rested on our laurels and and continue to operate the way we did 20 years ago, we wouldn't be here today. And so we need to adapt just as quickly as, as the industry or the markets that we're in are, are adapting and changing. 
and new technology is spurring a lot of that. Um, and I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I think yeah. it is confusing though on, well, what do you do next? I guess I think it's all about being involved, uh, not only just with your people, obviously, but company, get involved with your customers, really understand what they're doing uh, to continue to adapt and change. Mm-hmm. And then putting on maybe a persona where maybe you look a little bigger than you really yeah. are. And even if you get bigger, I said it all, I say it all the time. I don't necessarily care for a hundred employee company or a you know two thousand employee company. Our values don't change. Uh, the way we treat people doesn't change. Honestly, I see more opportunity for everybody within when we get there, especially if we maintain our core values. So, give us, bring it on. Give us mm-hmm. your two thousand. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. No, I I love that. Um, and I completely agree. I think uh, I've ran into roadblocks in our industry where people are very nervous about technology, yet the end user is just surpassing with you know what they're using with technology. So staying close to your customer and understanding what their needs are and how they're using technology and where they're going with technology is definitely something that I think is, is, is needed. E-commerce in our business is a big animal and we're in it, but it's, we've Mm -hmm. been in it for a little while. It's been a journey and it takes time. So the longer you wait to dive in, the further and further you get behind and so you're on HubSpot, we are implementing Salesforce across the organization. And that was a big investment and a big commitment, not only in, of course, dollars, but time and energy and resources for the people organizing it, but then also our team to adapt and buy into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a journey, but it's been, we believe that having a having better customer data and an understanding of the needs and making sure we're super agile based on all of those things will ultimately give us a huge competitive advantage to make the customer experience better than say that of our competitors. So it doesn't change doing a new CRM or a new Salesforce isn't going to change who we are as an organization, but it's going to give us a heck of a lot more tools to do what we do even better. Exactly. And I think it's easy for people to say, Oh, well, what can I really do with that data now? And there's so many things you can do with that data. Don't get me wrong. But what is Google or what is the next thing that's coming? Like, what's the next tool they're going to provide where if you don't have that data right now, you're going to be so behind trying to catch that and grab all that data for whatever new tool is coming out. And you just got to start. Yeah. Because if you keep waiting for, well, there's the next best thing or, well, we think, you know, Google's going to do this or sell, you know, something else is going to come. You're going to be, you know pretty far behind. It's best to be adaptable and Mm -hmm. agile. That'll, I think that brings more value to uh, companies over time. Totally. And it doesn't have to be perfect as you start. You can clean things up as you go. And that's not the most fun, but definitely (laughs) can. But data is king. Coming from the marketing side, I love all the data that we can get. Yeah, I heard Um, that statement for many years and I was like, you know, ah, we don't need that. I don't know what, you know, what do you mean by that? And now today, I'm sure happy that uh, we're using it to monitor, grow and expand the business. So, And the fact that you literally could... You can like whisper things by your phone. I don't know. You could say, I love cotton candy. And the next thing you know, you're targeted with cotton candy ads, right? So without even knowing it, sometimes we'll see where it goes in a few years here. What advice do you have to someone that is trying to mentor their employees and grow them in their organization? 
Yeah, and that's a really, it's also, it's a hard question to answer, honestly. Yeah. Everybody's a little different. It's the simple answer saying, give good feedback, get good feedback, be open and honest with your team, constantly, you know, nurture everybody on the staff to understand their abilities or their unique abilities. A different approach to me and what we've been doing a lot of is our overarching goal as an organization is to promote from within. We love to create new leaders. We love everybody to be leaders, but we differentiate a little bit and say, you know what? Anybody can be leaders within the organization, but you don't need to be on the leadership team to do that. Heck, you don't have to have a manager title to do it. Some people are natural leaders, but not great managers. Some people aren't great leaders, but can manage a process or do a great job. Really understanding who your people are and their unique abilities. Even if you got a, you know, if you got somebody who's a great manager, but you know, doesn't quite get the people side of things, you also got to know when it's time to, you don't stop investing in them as a person, but you got to right. realize that they're maybe not going to take on anymore. So you mm-hmm. have to have all types of people within an organization. I think to be successful, it's there's, there's, yeah, you can set the best process, the best career pathing plan, put all the training components together to adapt, but you still are relying on the individual itself. Knowing your people will ultimately allow you to place and move them. You know, we used to say, get everybody on the right seat of the bus. Yes. I don't care if that's a driving role or the president of the company. Mm -hmm. I don't don't necessarily care what your experiences have been or if you went to school or anything like that. It's all right person, right role. Do they, if I, if I go back to my EOS and traction terminology, do they get it, want it and have the capacity to do it regardless of, of their role, add in a little Mm -hmm. bit of leadership, understanding uh, into each person. I think that's, that's big. So we do yeah. the same things. We offer, you know, we offer a ton of different training opportunities, whether it's, you know, role specific or if it's leadership development or manager training, there's all of that for sure. Mm-hmm. But it all goes back to placing people. And if they want to be a VP of the company, but you don't see that, mm-hmm. then you need to sit down and create that dialogue and say, you want to be here. Here's the attributes that are needed to be successful in that role. Here's the mm-hmm. things that I believe you're doing well. And here's the things you're not doing well. You could certainly work on them to fix them if you truly want to be in that role. And here's a path to do that. If you don't get there, it's fine. Still gotta, you still get a position in the company. So I think, again, it just goes back to that constant feedback, open dialogue, honest communication. Mm-hmm. Give, them tons of, give people tons of opportunities to develop into something. But don't be afraid to be... Again, back to vulnerability and mm-hmm. back to open and honest. That's the thing. Yeah. I went through a period of time when I first started working at Ratterman where I just didn't want to ask for help because I wanted to be perfect. And that was the, the worst idea because the, when you start asking for help, then you get all that those little nuggets of like wisdom. I call it wisdom where, you know, someone's gone through something, has maybe messed up before. So now they're, you know, a little wiser. And that's when you get those little nuggets is when you're actually going to be like, I don't know what to do here and I need a little help. Definitely think that's true. And 100% people have their strengths and weaknesses and sitting in one seat over on the bus may be completely different employees. What do you think is your biggest strength? I'm pretty good at seeing skills or abilities of people 
that they might not see in themselves. And I feel like I'm pretty good at crafting a team and putting the right people from a cultural standpoint in the right seats to accomplish a goal. And that could be anything from building out a department, helping our leaders build out a department, you know, seeing a blind spot that maybe some of our other people aren't seeing in a person Mm -hmm. or building an integration team for an acquisition or a project. I'm not good at carrying out some of the plans (laughs) organized to process, but I know that is very necessary. So I make sure to balance out, you know, my weaknesses with people that have those strengths. I think I'm now, and I wouldn't have had this answer 10 years ago. I'm pretty good at knowing what I'm not good at so that I ensure that I bring people along for the ride that are that are great at it. And I reward and recognize them for those activities. And I'm, yep. I'm learning to be better at saying uh, what my weaknesses are and what I'm not yes. good at. Yeah. Uh, Cause I believe then that opens up dialogue for somebody to say, well, I can figure that out or I can find a person to do that. Or, Hey, mm-hmm. Joe on the team is great at X, but Bob is better at, you know, Y put them yeah. together. I know it's a long answer, the only other thing I'm I'm pretty decent at, but I think most other business owners are based on, you know, networking or associating risk with reward is finding opportunities. I think we've been fairly successful in that, but those haven't all been my ideas either. Um, many of them have come from within or come to us and we've jumped on them. So you can't take those opportunities unless you have a really good group of folks working for you. And you're not going to get those ideas unless you have a culture where people can come to you and give you those ideas and you're open to, you know, investing into them. Is there anything else you would like to share? No, other than um, (laughs) I think it's fun to see our organization as Center McGowan, a part of a much larger, very connected group of whether it's other distributors um, or other companies that are related to us. I think we're all uh, in a journey for what the future holds. Seeing new leaders uh, coming into the industries that we're involved in and seeing how open people are and how much they value you know, the relationships they've, it's been fun. So like, I've been meeting a lot of new people and that vulnerability thing where people are open-minded to talking. It's fun to get that out of folks. Cause I think, mm-hmm. you know, we solve our own problems on the backs of other companies that are dealing with those same problems. And that's been fun. So I don't have a lot to share other than that. And I appreciate you doing yeah. it. Thank you for listening. Um, at Ratterman, we just rolled out our new purpose statement, which is providing solutions to the people that are building the future and changing the world. Um, and if you are listening and you're one of our customers, that specifically means you. Um, if you have a story you'd like to share with us, uh, please email me at marie at rmimfg.com. Otherwise, thank you for listening and thank you for what you do.